It's time for Ruining Seinfeld, the only show that asks, what's the deal with that? Get ready to pour over the excruciating minutia of every single daily event of four morons sitting around an apartment whining about their dates. Here are your hosts, John and Adam. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Ruining Seinfeld. My name is John. And I'm Adam. Today, we have a special guest with us, Lindsay Rutledge. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me this morning. I contacted Lindsay because I competed against her in a Seinfeld trivia event, which I narrowly escaped by the skin of my teeth. She is well-versed in all things Seinfeld, and it's a pleasure to have you with us today. Lindsay is going to be kind of like a correspondent throughout the run. Basically, she'll be focusing on where we get it wrong with the women characters on the show, which I do think it's kind of progressive in ways, obviously. But for the most part, there are some standouts that we'll be sure to document along the way. So we're going to be focusing on the second episode of the first season, Male Unbonding. The air date was June 14th, 1990. Anybody want to take a guess what the top movie in theaters was that day? June 14th, 1990. Another 48 hours. Another 48 hours. All right. The the second 48 hours. Sure. It's been seven long years. Look, I got 48 hours to bring this guy in. I'm history. You want me to go out with you for another 48 hours? How about the number one song? What do you think the number one song was? Why don't you just tell me the number one song? (laughs) (laughs) The number one song was It Must Have Been Love by Roxette. (laughs) From the movie Pretty Woman, which Jason Alexander was in. Oh, yeah. All right. You ready to take this boiler out for a shakedown? Let's hit it. First thing we're going to break into is the stand-up. Most men like working on things, tools, objects, fixing things. This is what men enjoy doing. Have you ever noticed if a guy's out in his driveway working on something with tools, how all the other men in the neighborhood are magnetically drawn to this activity? <laughs> they just come wandering out of the house like zombies. <laughs> men, it's true. Men hear a drill. It's like a dog whistle. Just. You know, they go running up to that living room curtain. Honey, I think Jim's working on something over there. (laughs) So they run over to the guy. Now, they don't actually help the guy. No, they just want to hang around the area where work is being done. (laughs) That's what men want to do. We want to watch the guy. We want to talk to him. We want to ask him dumb questions, you know. But he's in a Phillips in there. <laughs> you know, we feel involved. That's why when they have construction sites, they have to have those wood panel fences around it. That's just to keep the men out. <laughs> they cut those little holes for us so we can see what the hell is going on. But if they don't cut those holes, we are climbing those fences. Right over there. What are you using, the steel girders down here? So straight out of the gate, we notice the music's changed, obviously. Jonathan Wolf's in the mix, and the classic slap bass and mouth pops are uh, in there. 
How do you guys feel about the the new music rather than that first episode's music? Well, I think we talked in that first episode, you know, like that synth wave or whatever we're calling it, that transition to the early 90s felt, you know, kind of off-putting. And it it's so comforting to have the, the bass line there. Yeah, I think that comforting is the right word. So how do you feel about the stand-up in this this episode? Jerry Seinfeld talking about men and tools and the stereotypical male and how, you know, they got the whole herd of guys wandering over like zombies checking out the I made a little bit of a note here that I grew up with brothers so I kind of understand what he was talking about but it was very clear from the start that this is and and why maybe this show has become predominantly male viewed is that he is able to speak to the male perspective and you know they talk a lot about that in in a lot of interviews through the years or on the DVDs where they they just didn't know how to write for a woman. And so this stand-up is quintessential man represented. And, you know, I, I kind of knew what he was talking about because my dad used to joke about doing stuff like that. But I, it just kind of went over my head, obviously, over overall in terms of what was funny there as a woman, just because I didn't get it. Yeah, I think, I don't know, this is like really relatable, you know, it's just a guy nature to kind of wander in to see what what other guys are working on. If if any of you have ever done anything with your your garage door open or out in the yard, all of a sudden people will just start meandering over and and just asking what's going on, what kind of tools you're using. I, I just put together a smoker a couple months ago and I had all sorts of dudes stopping by going, oh, what do you got there? So. <laughs> So it's, it's literally, (laughs) it's, and and I have like a, our house is on a corner lot. So of course a lot of foot traffic and then just a lot of neck craning going on of, Oh, what do you got there? What, which, what's the model you got? (laughs) Women just don't do that. That's so silly. The smoke pro 2000. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the women would take a meander and say, what do you got going on in there? You don't no, think we probably just judge from across the street. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a man's woman. I hate other women and they hate me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't be really talking about whatever it is you're working on for that long. Right. We would just start talking about other things. Yep, exactly. Yeah, my dad used to work on cars a lot and I'd be inside playing video games and I never learned to fix a car until my 30s. <laughs> so I never, never was outside, but I'm sure people stopped by because he was always working on cool cars. But I don't know. As far as I go, I, I don't really see Jerry as the stereotypical male, at least at this point in the show. You know what I mean? I, I don't see him working on anything with a tool, you know? No, and, and especially being in New York City, like, where's the right. opportunity to be, you know, looking at, at stuff going on, except the construction sites? And I got to say, there's been huge project going on in my neighborhood this this month. They're replacing all the the pipes getting rid of all the old lead pipes and putting in new stuff and the amount of construction workers that are standing around watching one guy do all the work. And it's been a joke in the morning when we walk by him on the way to the kid's school. One guy always has a cigarette. It's a different guy every morning. It's like a rotating cigarette. And then all the guys are watching one guy dig a hole. One guy sits in the, the backhoe and then everybody else kind of holds the slow sign and then watches everybody else do it. So it's it's literally a, a new guy every morning for the past 60 days. 
and they all just kind of stand around and supervise. So it's it's pretty good. Yeah, my youngest is playing volleyball, and they kind of rotate like that. So it's like rotate, <laughs> rotate, rotate, rotate. Okay, you're you're digging today. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Jim's got the cigarette. Dan's on the shovel, and then it just rotates every day. We're going to get into the first scene of the episode now. And as it opens, we get our first iconic establishing shot of the Shelley building. Even though the address in the show is 129 West 81st Street, the address says 757 on the awning. So I never noticed that. Scene one in Jerry's lobby. I had to say something. <laughs> I had to say something. Everything was going so well. I had to say something. I don't think you did anything wrong. I told her I liked her. Why? Why did I tell her I like her? <laughs> I have this sick compulsion to tell women how I feel. I like you. I don't tell you. We can only thank God for that. <laughs> I'm out of the picture. I am out of the picture. <laughs> Matter of time now. You're imagining this, really? Oh, no. No, 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 no. I'll tell you when it happened, too. It's when that floss came flying out of my pocket. Floss? When? We were in the lobby during the intermission of the play. I was buying on one of those containers of orange drink for $5. I reach into my pocket to pay for it. I look down, there's this piece of green floss hanging from my fingers. Ah, mint. Of course. So I'm looking at it. I look up. I see she's looking at it. Our eyes lock. <laughs> it was a horrible moment. I just... So let me get this straight. She saw the floss. You panicked. And you told her you liked it. If I didn't put that floss in my pocket, I'd be crawling around her bedroom right now looking for my glasses. Just... You sure the floss was the catalyst? Yes, I am. You don't think it might have had anything to do with that? Well, you don't like this? Looks like your belt is digesting a small animal. As George and Jerry are standing there, George is holding a blazer in his hands. Now, who wears a blazer with a fanny pack? <laughs> yeah, this this whole episode, and we'll get into it, it's it's a wild, wild ride on the the clothing choices for especially Costanza. Yeah, yeah, the fanny um, pack has got to go, man. What is that? <laughs> oh, I should I should mention, sorry to our UK listeners, because the word fanny doesn't mean fanny in the UK. It means something totally different. I'll let you do your internet sleuthing on your own, but <laughs> it doesn't mean buttocks as it does over here. Okay. So uh, weird that an elevator door is right next to an apartment door. I thought that was kind of odd. I've never seen something like that before unseen character george's girlfriend who is the unnamed floss spotter she doesn't have a name yeah this whole like so you know last episode we talked about george being uber confident about his advice with women and we were saying that's that's not really george's mo right like he's he's never confident, never sure of himself, and especially not one to be giving advice to somebody about women. And now we're two episodes in and all of a sudden the George Costanza we know and love is, is very apparent, right? He's, he's stressing out over not having hand in this relationship essentially, and being completely neurotic, being unconfident, and now pouring over this seemingly like kind of minuscule faux pas of having dental floss visible. 
Yeah. So let's say I'm on a date with a guy and he accidentally pulls dental floss out of his pocket. Honestly, if he would have made a joke about it or have been folksy about it or like acknowledged it in any way, I wouldn't have thought it was weird. I would probably laugh and be like, yeah, that's silly. Like we all floss. But the way George just ruins it by like not acknowledging it, I feel like I would have thought that was really weird too. Or just like, you can acknowledge that you have, that you floss your teeth, man. It's not that big of a deal, but he just, got, he obviously just made it really awkward and, and totally like ruined the whole vibe of his date just because he's George Costanza. Yeah. Who yeah, he, cares about dental floss? I know. Right. I was like, he, he does say he's all awkward pauses. So, I mean, yeah, that's true. Awkward <laughs> pauses. Yeah. So I think if I were on a date with him, I wouldn't have minded if he would have just acknowledged it and been like funny about it, you know? Now, I, I didn't want to be stereotypical males on this show at all, but let's get a woman's perspective. George Costanza, good looking guy. Okay. I've never understood the women that he dates ever. He is, he's not, he's not funny. I mean, he's just insecure. He's, I, I would never date George Costanza and I don't understand women who do. So <laughs> that's also loving him very deeply in all of, with all of my heart, but the character itself is not attractive at all. No. Yeah, I mean, I can see beauty in a man, you know? I'm a progressive guy. I don't see any of those guys as potential life mates at all. Like, You know, I could see, I could see the, like, intrigue of Kramer, for sure. Intrigue is one thing. He's a hipster hipster doofus, yeah. So if you're, like, also a hipster doofus, I could totally see you into Kramer. Jerry's somewhat successful. I think he's an attractive guy. But, yeah, George, no. He's not even, like a confident guy. (laughs) I think he's a little better looking when he has the hair. I got to agree with Kramer there. You know know what? uh, I like that toupee. It's good. He looks a lot better. And it's not because he doesn't have hair. It's just because the confidence, I think. Great. He brings that confidence that you need if you're going to be a short, stocky, balding guy. Slow-witted. Slow-witted, yeah. Notice you threw slow-witted in there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I know this isn't the episode, but when you bring up that toupee, one of my favorite lines ever is Kramer saying, no, I think he's got you beat, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about me? <laughs> no, I think he's got you beat. <laughs> well, scene three is in Jerry's hallway. And the first thing I noticed about this is I've never noticed that it is a pan and walk. Like they're walking along with the camera. And that's never done again in this show, I don't think. It's, have you ever, you ever seen anything like that any later than this in the show? No, and I've noticed, you know, as we've started doing this project of, they are really good on flipping cameras really fast to where even in Jerry's apartment, they'll have at least three cameras and they flip it very fast to whoever's talking and they make sure whoever's on screen is centered. And it's not something I never would have ever would have noticed, but when I'm making videos for my page and trying to change the aspect ratio and keeping everybody in the center, it's very easy because they pan very quick and they switch and keep everybody centered, even in mid conversation with three or four characters. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, the director, Tom Sharonis, at the beginning was really adamant about being more artsy, is what I heard. So, like, you'll see the the randomness a little bit more. But, like, later on with Andy Ackerman especially, 
he's like very static, which is great because like just keeps the the focus where it needs to be. But uh, I also noticed when they got off of the elevator that there are buttons that have an up and down option. Now, isn't Jerry on the top floor? Is the fifth floor the top floor? No, I don't think so because, well. Doesn't Newman, was he on the roof when he jumps? He says, I'm on the uh, roof. Yeah, that's yeah. true, maybe. But uh, what I did know, I mean, Jerry calls up to Kramer when Kramer's on the roof, and it can't be too much higher yeah, than, right. you know, because, I mean, how else would he hear him? I wonder if any of the exterior shots get a, of a wider and we could count. Yeah, I mean, the Shelly in this episode, actually, it does have a light on at night. I'll have to look at that. But the light's on at night when, when we finally meet Elaine later on. So we'll have to look at that. Jerry asks if he thinks the fanny pack could have been the reason the girl cooled on him. George says, what? You don't like this? It looks like your belt's digesting a small animal. No one likes those things, George. No one does. Fanny you know, packs are back. Kind of, yeah, they're back. But you wear them like over your shoulder now. That's the cool way to do yeah, it. Yeah, like a messenger sure. bag type thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but they're I don't back. Know, like, my wife has a bag like that she carries across her chest. But then I was in, we were in Disneyland last spring break. I saw so many dudes wearing fanny packs. It was like an outbreak of 80s fashion all of a sudden now here's what i'll say about that a place like disneyland or a theme park it makes total sense to wear something like that you don't want a backpack because you don't want to have to sit back in your seat and break something and you don't want to have to put it on the floor you don't want it in your pockets uh, i don't want to keep saying fanny pack i should make up a different word for this waste waste pouch <laughs> the waste pouch yeah i think that makes sense there but you guys also live in pretty metropolitan areas right like Lindsay, you're yeah, in... you can. Yeah, I'm in Hoboken, New Jersey, so just outside of Manhattan, and you could you could wear it however you want, and no one will say a thing around here. We're gonna start getting into the apartment inventory now. So Adam, if you want to start us off with what you found, we'll kind of make a back and forth type thing about it. All right, you ready to strap in? Because I feel like we covered quite a bit in episode one, and now it's a complete 180 from the the pilot. That's a 360, George. <laughs> so I'll, I'll start off and then you can you can kind of give me your your notes on some of these. See if I miss because I'm sure knowing you that you were a lot more in depth. So I'll just I'll just see what you got and we'll go with it. All right. So the biggest eyesore from the last episode that we talked about, those wicker bar stools, they're gone. No bar stools at all. The cabinets in the kitchen are no longer those thick, wood-framed-out, opaque cabinets. They are now the traditional glass see-through. The couch, that nasty, gray, fake leather couch, it's gone. Replaced with this, it almost looks like a futon from the 90s. The oversized blue cushions, black, just basic frame. It's also turned at a different angle. It's turned towards the door instead of, you know, square with the, the apartment. That light blue coat rack is gone. They have, they replaced that, that small, you know, two foot rack that had whatever we figured out was on there with some, it's not quite a credenza. It's just a cabinet 
that's there. Maybe you could throw your keys on all your paraphernalia. It's got a little Porsche on top of it. I noticed that. Yep. There's a glass top dining table now. So there is a an eating area, which gone is the reading nook that we said Jerry would never use. The stereo rack shelf is is there now, but it's it's not the the iteration that we will come to find and love in the later episodes with all the VHS and stuff, but it is some sort of stereo holder. There is the desk area is looking a little more normal. That tiny screen Mac is still there, but it's looking more like his traditional desk. And John kills me with everything in my being. The Wendy's atrium slash sunroom is no longer. It's just a flat wall with two windows. And I did some research on that Wendy's thing, and they did call it the the Wendy's sunroom. <laughs> sunroom. Just perfect to melt your frosty. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a cactus um that Jerry has by the windows. And it's a it's a big guy. It's not just like a little a apartment warming gift. Jerry's got this weird half skull with a brain. What is that? Yeah, it kind of reminded me of the uh, penis and the brain playing chess a little bit. Like you had the decapitated top of the... Right. Um, a couple more, and then I'm sure you can dig in. So we got a small little hallway to the bathroom, but there's a bookshelf where Jerry's bedroom would be, and it's walled off, so we still don't have the hallway to his bedroom or like where the bike usually hangs. I think there's still that window above the bathroom sink, so we're still not sure if it's a corner apartment or not. But then, and I've never noticed this before until I really looked back, there's a door on the right. So if you go to the bathroom, face to the bathroom, if you look to the right, there's a door. So I'm wondering if that is like his quote-unquote bedroom that we Mm. never see because it's literally two doors on the same wall then it's the main door and then the secondary door i never saw that but i'll have to look again yeah i know that later on there's a picture hanging there and i think it's a picture of like the not the guys sitting on the girder you know in the 20s or whatever when they're building the empire state building but something similar to that yeah or maybe it's a linen closet or something and then the sink is gone. The bathtub is under the window. And so I'm not quite sure what's going on there. And and how are you going to get around the tub to the toilet? Ralph is obviously gone, the dog. He's not drinking water out of that toilet anymore with that tub. And then a couple other things I saw. The flooring is very odd. You only see it for a brief moment. It's like a brown concrete style floor. And then there's obviously the giant Porsche po- poster and, you know, Jerry has to get as many Porsche references in there. <laughs> so that's all I have. I almost blacked out for a second with all of that. So I'm sure you have some more to add. I have a few more things to add. <laughs> I, I did not. I was sad when Ralph left, but I did not notice all of those things. That was pretty cool. So, okay. So here are some of the things that I noticed. I noticed the cabinets that you mentioned with the clear doors, but I also noticed there are dark like mahogany type color wood. There are four locks on the door now. So I don't know if that was planned, but the fridge is now a double door refrigerator with a water and ice dispenser on it. Still no cereal shelf, but there are flour and sugar canisters on the countertop. 
Entenmann's on top of the refrigerator. There are pictures on the refrigerator. There's a wall-mounted can opener next to a big black microwave next to the sink that has what I think is a dish drying rack on top of it. Also, there's a, a very 80s wooden outlet cover in the kitchen and a 1950s-style diner tea kettle, a red standing paper towel holder, a knife block or a cutting board of some sort behind the sink, some kind of protein mix next to the sink, napkins and a salt and pepper shaker on the counter. There's electric coil burners on the stove, meaning that when you flash forward to the Chinese woman, George sticking his head in the oven plays no significance there because he doesn't have gas unless he got it changed. I mean, Connie Conrad or Khan is all over this. He did the bathroom. He's done all the redecorating, all these cabinets. Jerry must have known this dude for, for years. All right. There's a picture of Jerry's dad now on the wall where the dartboard was. All right. Underneath of it, you mentioned that that cabinet with the Porsche on it. Every doorknob in this place is crystal. The coat rack is gone, but there's a Yankee jacket hanging on the wall. There's a round black garbage can near the fridge. I'm kind of colorblind, but didn't they paint the apartment gray now instead of that blue that it was? Yeah, it's like the wainscoting is like a light blue or gray, but then the walls are like a, a white. Yeah, so I, I'm colorblindish, so I, but, it, but it looks different colored to me. On top of the fridge, there's a box of Topps trading cards, and there are cabinets above the refrigerator now. There's a different lamp on a glass end table, and there's a little, I think it's a marble container sitting on the table. There are triangle salt and pepper shakers on that glass table behind the couch. And next to the couch is a kind of weird backed wicker wooden chair next to that. You know what I mean? Like like your grandma used to have a rocking chair with that back on it. Yeah, no I think everybody it. had one. Yeah, exactly. Jerry has two big 12-inch speakers in his house. On his desk is one of those old-style phones with just a receiver, you know. There's also a little brass baseball player statue, a pencil holder, his answering machine. Above his desk, there's a ball inside of a glove on a plaque. Below his desk is a garbage can with what looks like pennants or those little bullhorns that they used to use in 1920s pep rallies, and he has a blue rolling chair. Later on, you notice that there's a different wall and there's a large poster of a Porsche, and underneath that there's a bookcase which looks like to be a tackle box on the bottom shelf and an old-time radio on the top shelf. What's up with the lighting sconces everywhere? There's like seven of them in this place. Yeah, it is. It, I always thought that was weird because there's a lot of sconces for a small apartment. You're, it's almost like a hallway-type sconce. Yeah, they're everywhere in the hallway, too. When you look, there's like five or six as they're walking. It's like, why does this place need to be so light? It's, there's a rack across from the desk that has a blue lamp on it and some other random things, but I can't see. The coffee table has an edge around it so nothing falls off. There are three large remotes and an unopened pack of Topps trading cards and some car and driver magazines. Any questions? <laughs> so getting into the actual scene now. Well done, boys. Oh, they got a cure for cancer. See, it's all big business. Oh, hey, Jerry just walked in. Hi, George. Yeah, 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 yeah. Take my number. Uh, it's 555-8643. Okay, here he is. Who is it? Take it. Who is it? 
is for you. Hello? Oh, hi, Joel. What? No, uh, I was out of town. I just got back. Kramer doesn't know anything. He's just my next-door neighbor. Uh, nothing much. Tuesday? Mm, Tuesday, no, I'm meeting somebody. Uh, Wednesday. Wednesday's okay. All right, um, I'm a little busy right now. Can we talk uh, Wednesday morning? Okay, yeah. Right, thanks. Bye. Why do you put me on the phone with him? I hate just being handed a phone. Well, it's your phone. He, he wanted to talk to you. Maybe I didn't want to talk to him. Well, why not? It bothers me. I don't even answer the phone anymore because of him. He's turned me into a screener. <laughs> now I got to see him on Wednesday. What do you mean, Wednesday? I thought we had tickets to the Nick game Wednesday. We got seats behind a bench. What happened? We're not going? We're going. That's next Wednesday. Oh. Who is this guy? His name's Joel Hornick. He lived like three houses down from me when I grew up. He had a ping-pong table. We were friends. Should I suffer the rest of my life because I like to play ping-pong? I was 10. I would have been friends with Stalin if he had a ping-pong table. <laughs> Kramer mentions that his phone number is 555-8643. Who's he talking to on the phone? Talking to Hornick. Joel Hornick. So Jerry says, oh, hi, Joel. Now, wouldn't you think that that's pretty condescending if you were Joel? You picked no, up the phone? Already, yeah, we, we come to find out. Joel's clueless. He is so self-absorbed that he he wouldn't pick up on those little social cues. Yeah, I guess you're right. We we totally kind of glossed over the fact that he is Kramer now. He's gone from Kessler to Kramer. This is true. He's more of his strange, ridiculous self. And he's in clothes. No, no longer the bathrobe and khaki <laughs> short combo. Yeah, I don't... This feels very old, Jerry. Like, Jerry in later seasons would never have entertained a friendship or even tried. Like, he he breaks up with the pool guy just out of nowhere. Like, this relationship with Joel Hornick doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, he says he's known him his whole life and, you know, he had a ping pong table growing up. I mean, I don't, I don't even like ping pong. No offense, but I mean, like... I hit the ball once and it comes back and I miss it. I'm done. I, I don't even want to think about playing anymore. And yet Jerry says he would have been friends with Stalin if he had a ping pong table. Yeah. And also I, the way it was so easy to lose touch with people back in the day, like the, today you, you're following people on social media back in the day, you could lose touch with someone so much easier. So he, Jerry's obviously not making any effort to not be friends with him. You know, he's entertaining point. this guy more than he should. It never made sense to me. Yeah, but like you said, it doesn't seem like Hornet gets it. So he might be trying so much harder than Jerry's able to handle. In this scene, we also get our first mention of Cremerica Industries. That's for me. Cremerica Industries. Oh, hi, Mark. No, no, no. Forget that. I got a better idea. A pizza place where you make your own pie. Can you conduct your business elsewhere? No, no, no. I'm talking about a whole chain of them. And another unseen character, Mike. Maybe it's Mike Moffat, though. I don't know. Could be. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, no, I got another idea. 
What was that first idea, man? That's what I want to know. No, this one's better. It's a pizza place where you make your own pie. The first I always thought that was a great idea. And and look now, they're they're everywhere. I mean, you're not yeah. technically throwing your hands into an oven, but you're you're picking your all your your toppings and you know, you're making your own pie essentially. It's true. And later on we're gonna hear Elaine say, Oh, that sounds like a great idea. Even though when the later episode comes on, she's very condescending to our boy Kramer. Yeah, that's our sweet Elaine. Make my own pie. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait to find me a feather. (laughs) What's your favorite Kramerica Industries invention? I I don't know. I I made a great cut up for for my site, and it was all of Kramer's ideas. And I'm not sure which ones count as Kramerica versus not Kramerica of just Kramer pontificating, but the rollout tie dispenser um, <laughs> that we hear in a couple episodes, I mean, that's outstanding. I think that's a stock tip. Yeah, he's he's all mad at Jerry because Jerry oh, could have invested in his rollout tie dispenser. <laughs> which one is that again? All right, you're in a meeting. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) And then you just pull it out and you're gone. Oh, you're gone. All right. I I think my favorite one has to be the rubber bladder for the oil tankers. That's ingenious, man. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but that's a good idea. This is a a dream one. A dream one. It didn't actually happen. But when Jerry's like thinking about his life where he's only living with Kramer and Kramer says it's like a submarine telescope that goes above the car it's the car the periscope yeah i would love that because They're sometimes not building I just... higher roofs <laughs> but <laughs> have, you, just see. have you seen the curb episode where they have it oh no, <laughs> no. yeah so larry befriends this uh inventor and he's got a prototype of the car periscope and him and jeff are driving around and they're using the car periscope to to track someone that they're following and it's fantastic and they love it. Yeah. But cur- anyway. Curbs curbs completely. I mean, it's pretty different from Seinfeld, but it's, it's definitely worth a watch. It's a lot of George Costanza too. Yeah. I like, I like my George fat and short and balding <laughs> or what did we say? Thick. He's not fat. He's thick. Yeah. He's thick. <laughs> he's thick. That's good. Yeah. We decided last episode that we, he's not, he's not fat. He might be a little stocky. Would you say he was a fire hydrant? Is that what you yeah, said? <laughs> I said he was a fire hydrant. <laughs> All right. So George throws his used tea bag into the garbage can near the refrigerator. It has no bag in it. What kind of social etiquette is that? Then again, I guess he puts his dirty fingers in peanut butter, too. So <laughs> He's off bread. Off bread. <laughs> off his rocker. And the next stand-up is about a man breaking up with a guy. As a guy, I don't know how I can break up with another guy. You know what I mean? I don't know how to say, Bill, I feel I need to see other men. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? There is nothing I can do. I have to wait for someone to die. (laughs) I think that's the only way out of this relationship. It could be a long time. See, the great thing about guys is that we can become friends based on almost nothing. Just two guys will just become friends just because they're two guys. That's almost all we need to have in common. Because sports, sports and women is really all we talk about. 
If there was no sports and no women, the only thing guys would ever say is, uh, so what's in the refrigerator? Did you guys ever have a friend like Hornick? Anybody in your life that you had to cut off? Trying to think. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I ever had to, to I mean, break had up with a guy. Fall, yeah, I've had falling outs, um, but no, I've never had to like straight up tell someone that we're not friends anymore. Yeah, I mean, like I've had falling out, you know, with people. So I just stopped like, calling them. I never had to deal with a Hornick. So I'd like to oh, think you just you just weed those folks out. Yeah, that's the best way to do it, really. There's a woman in the crowd laughing and carrying on like Toby. You see her in the background. She's like falling out of her chair, laughing really hard at, at everything that's going on. Jerry says the only thing that men talk about is sports and women. Now, see, I'm not a sports fan. And I really don't discuss women with guys because it's nobody's business what I've got going on in my life and what, you know. So, I mean, I mean, that's why I only have three friends, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. never actually thought men talked about, like, their relationships. I just thought that was a girl thing. But, yeah, that sports, I mean, I grew up with brothers and I just, yeah, when they're together, that's all they talk about. But the, the relationships thing, I, I didn't think that was what guys talked about. I think it's more definitely with the sports. I think I could see this as looking at it as Jerry is a young single guy in the city and probably, you know, him and all of his comic buddies after after their shows, probably talking about their, you know, failed dates or trying to meet women in the non-social media age, you know, because it was all about phone numbers and and who's going on dates. So that's the part I related, but I've, I don't think I've ever outside of high school sat around and, and talked about, you know, women before. I never saw the point really to talk to my friends about that kind of thing. So did you happen to take any notes on the set decoration in monks? I did. Well, why don't you lay it on us, big daddy? All right. So Pete's luncheonette gone monks in. It looks more of what we're used to. The The full counter is there. The cashier stand without Ruthie Cohen is there. Booths and tables are all relatively in the spots that we, we know. But the booths have a different cover. I don't know if that's a, a vinyl. I can only assume it's like a red vinyl. I, I doubt it would be leather in a well-trafficked diner. That coat rack's gone. Obviously, all of the interior walls are different. The menu board is is still the one constant, kind of, that's in the same position. But the whole layout is different, so it's it's really hard to compare apples to apples. Would you pick up on, John? Because I know you, you probably dug in a lot deeper than that. I, I got most of the same things you got. Mostly, the only thing that I noticed that you didn't say was that there's a sign near the door that says, Smoking in Designated Areas Only. So this must be before the smoking bans in New York went into effect and that the men menus are generic and red and just say menu in gold on the front rather than the monks menus that we're used to in the future episodes. The outfits on the staff, very grandmotherly. Did you notice this? They're yes. like ruffle, ruffly and flowery and their socks are like those little girl wear them with Mary Jane socks with the little ruffles around the. I thought that was very odd. You don't yeah, see it, was it like on the, real like diner wear. Yeah, you don't see it really on the server that 
is the same same girl from the um, robbery episode where she right. gets the apartment. You don't see it so much on her because she's got the uh, sweater on. But the woman walking behind her, you can definitely see. She looks... I was like, what's up with this lady's outfit? And then I looked at the other one. I was like, oh, she's got the same thing on. It must be a, a, a uniform. We do hear about two more unseen characters. Hornick's mom and Shrink. So my Shrink wants me to bring my mother in for a session. I mean, this guy is a brilliant man. Lenny Bruce used to go to him. And I think, uh, Geraldo. You know, I read the Lenny Bruce biography. I thought it was really... Hey, 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 we're starving here. Interesting. See, we've been waiting here for ten minutes already. You would. So I'm thinking about going to Iran this summer. You know, I have to eat. (laughs) I mean, I'm hypoglycemic. Anyway, the Hezbollah has invited me to perform. You know, it's their annual terrorist luncheon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna do it in Farsi. You think I need a haircut? Are you ready? Yeah, I'll have the egg salad on whole wheat. Hey, let me ask you a question. This, uh, this turkey sandwich here, is that real turkey or is it a turkey roll? Now, I don't want that processed turkey. I hate it. I think it's real turkey. Uh-huh. Is there a real bird in the back? No, there's no bird, but... Well, how do you know for sure? Look, why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you go in the back and find out, okay? (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) How can you talk to someone like that? Look, what are you saying? What, you like turkey roll? (laughs) Listen, Joel, there's something I have to tell you. Wait. (laughs) You'll never guess who I ran into. Howard, Howard Metro. Metro. <laughs> he asked me if I still saw you. I said, sure, I see him all the time. We're still great friends. Anyway, Howard says hello. <laughs> Listen, Joel, I don't think we should see each other anymore. <laughs> this friendship, it's not working. Not working? What are you talking about? We're just not suited to be friends. But how can you say that? Look, you're a nice guy. It's just that we don't have anything in common. Wait, wait, wait what did I do? Tell me what, I want to know what I did. You, you didn't do anything. It's not you, it's me. <laughs> it's, this is very difficult. Look, I, I know I call you too much, right? I mean, I, I know, you're a very busy guy. No, it's not that. You're one of the few people I can talk to. Now, come on, that's not true. No, I always tell everybody about you and tell everybody to go see your show! <laughs> I mean, I'm your biggest fan. I know, I know. I mean, you're my best friend. Best friend? I've never been to your apartment. I cannot believe that this is happening. I can't believe it. Okay, okay, forget it. It's okay. I didn't mean it. Give me what? What I said. I've been under a lot of stress. Oh, you've been under a lot of stress. <laughs> well, just... Can we just forget the whole thing ever happened? I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. I took it out on you. We're, we're still friends. We're still friends. Still friends. <laughs> okay, look, I'll tell you what. I got Nick tickets this Wednesday. Great seats behind the bench. You want to come with me? Come on. Tonight? No, next Wednesday. If it was tonight, I would have said tonight. <laughs> You really want me to go? Yes. 
Okay. Okay, great. That would be... That'd be great. So, next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. So where is that waitress? Hey! <laughs> so we meet Joel Hornick, played by Kevin Dunn. I love Kevin Dunn as an actor. I do, too. Did you ever see Stir of Echoes? No. With Kevin Bacon? He is such a creep in that movie. He is a creep. But it's worth a watch if you haven't seen it, I think. It's based on an old Richard Matheson book from the 50s or 60s, I think. It's really good. Worth a watch. I really like him in Veep. I've never got to see yes. Veep yet. Oh, that's a fantastic show. See, oh. I, I talked with Adam before about all the shows that I've never watched. And he's like, what? 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 Sound like Little John for a yeah. while. He's like, okay. He's like, you haven't seen that? You haven't seen Game of Thrones? What? <laughs> no. I mean, Julia in Veep is mm, chef's She's kiss. The best. The absolute best. And I mentioned the server in the scene is the same lady from the robbery episode. Jerry decides to test his theory that Hornick doesn't pay attention to him. Where does he say he's going? He's going to perform in Iran. Hezbollah. It's the the terrorist luncheon. (laughs) I think he'll perform in Farsi. Yeah. There's no way if you're a kid when you're watching this that you had any idea who the Hezbollah was, what Farsi was. I got to say, most of what I learned about life, I learned later on from Seinfeld. Like, you know, I'm in my 20s. and I'm like, oh, my God, I get it now. Yeah, same with The Simpsons, you know, everything you learn in life, you learn from Seinfeld, The Simpsons, or Mary Melody's cartoons. <laughs> what does Elaine say? Yeah, all your knowledge of high culture comes from Bugs Bunny cartoons. <laughs> yeah, I find it odd that Jerry gets so, so upset with Joel for talking down to the server. How does he order his food? Egg salad on wheat? That's not a very nice way to talk to somebody. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't say please, but the way Hornick talks to her is... Oh, yeah. Oh. Absurd. It's absurd. What, you're saying you like turkey roll? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's it's ridiculous. No, I have noticed how they order, and they never say please or thank you. I wonder if it's like they just have a relationship with these people, and they feel fine doing that. But you're right. But just, I would have been completely mortified sitting next to Joel Hornick during that. Oh yeah, I'm I'm real I'm I'm a real stickler for customer service and like treating people well. It's a thankless job, no matter if you're a cook, a server, cash register operator, whatever. It is a thankless job, no matter what you're doing. And what's he call her, like honey or sweetheart or something like that? Always makes me cringe too. Well, George always always George says sweetheart, that too, sweetheart. Yeah, 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 yeah. too oh, much. My God. Yeah, I anytime. Yeah, I'm 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 bothered by that every single time. <laughs> There's actually an episode of Curb where Richard Lewis makes the mistake of calling his current girlfriend Honey, like really early in the relationship, and it it makes her freeze up and all of a sudden become cold. So Larry devises a a plan of saying, telling Richard, just call everyone Honey at every opportunity so that she'll think that's just you being like folksy. <laughs> and so literally it shows him at a restaurant and he refers to everyone as, oh, thank you, Honey. Hey, Honey. Honey, can I have the honey, honey, and honey, honey? And it's just super spliced. And then the girlfriend's like, oh, that's just him. This is totally normal. <laughs> yeah, it just feels condescending no matter who you are. Yeah, I guess so. We do get another unseen character in this scene. Who is it? 
Howard Metro. Oh, with the the ears. <laughs> Told you I still talk to you all the time. We're still very close friends. I really want to see some of these unseen characters. Uh, I like that the mention of Howard Metro kind of breaks Jerry, like kind of lets him his guard down, but then he snaps right back to it of saying, listen, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> and then tries breaking up with him. Yeah, I don't think this is working. He starts crying. <laughs> I always tell everyone to go see his show. That's <laughs> right. my favorite. I, that's a great horning line. And everyone from the counter just does the, the quick <laughs> neck snap. <laughs> Is he Frankie Merman? I mean, come on. Yeah, I should have taken him to Pomodoro's to let him down. Oh, you've been under a lot of stress. You know, and the funny thing is he tried breaking up with him, but the egg salad was on the way. George, he'll sit there because the egg salad's coming. So is this the same place, Monks? It's unbelievable. Egg salad. Yeah, it has to be. And I'm not like a... That's one thing on Seinfeld. It's always tuna salad, egg salad. I, I'm not a a salad sandwich kind of guy. So I just could never relate to their obsession with all of these sandwiches for lunch. Yeah, it's like a, a deli type thing. It's a quick thing, I think easy to get like you could eat it real fast like a club sandwich you're gonna have to take some time eating that and chewing and stuff like that and george later on he'll be like i was chewing for 20 minutes how long did it take you to eat an egg salad sandwich dude really 20 minutes so the next scene is at the security merchants bank Calls me up at the office. She yeah. says, we have to talk. Oh, the four worst words in the English language. <laughs> that or whose bra is this? <laughs> that is worse. So we order lunch and we're talking. Finally, she blurts out how it's not working. Really? So I'm thinking, as she's saying this, I'm thinking, great. The relationship's over, but the egg salad's on the way. Mm. So now I have a decision. Do I walk or do I eat? Mm. You ate. <laughs> Sat there for 20 minutes chewing, staring at each other in a defunct relationship. Someone says, get out of my life, and that doesn't affect your appetite. Have you ever had their egg salad? It is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. <laughs> hey, what else is unbelievable? I picked up the check. She didn't even offer. She ended it. The least she could do was send me off with a sandwich. How much could you possibly have in there? It's my money. What should I do, throw it out the window? I know a guy who took his vacation on his change. Yeah, where'd he go, to an arcade? <laughs> That's funny, you're a funny guy. Yeah. Come on, move on. Great, Huey's hurt. Huey's hurt? How long is he gonna be out? Well, a couple days at the most, but... Oh, jeez. Oh, God. I got scared there for a second. The Knicks, without Ewing. <laughs> Listen, uh, George, little problem with the game. What about it? Uh, the thing is, yesterday, I kind of, uh... What? I gave your ticket to Hornick. <laughs> you what? Yeah, I I'm sorry. I had to give it to Hornick. Nah. <laughs> my ticket? You gave my ticket to Hornick? Come on, come on, go ahead, move up. What did you give him my ticket for? You didn't see him. It was horrible. Oh, come on, Jerry, I can't believe this. I had to do oh, it. please, can you change this into bills? I'm sorry, sir, we can't do that. Do you want to go with them? 
You go. I, I don't mind. I'm not going with him. I don't even know the guy. Look, they did this for me before. Look, I can give you these, and you can roll them yourself. You want me to roll 6,000 of these? What, should I quit my job? Do they still, at banks, do they still have pens that are attached by a chain? Yeah, I don't think my bank does. It's got, like, just pens laying on the little island thing there with the little yes. slips, and they just, like, throw a big thing of pens in there. I think pens are pretty commonplace now. Like, in the, in the 80s, I know there was a hot commodity on pens, and they didn't just give them to any... Tom, Dick, and Harry that walked in the store. But now they're frivolent. They put their name and stuff on them. So if you do have one, oh, it's just from the bank I use. And, you know, it's all, it's like they want to advertise and get more people to put their money in. When I was a kid, I used to love playing with those pens on a chain. When my parents would take me into the the bank and you curl them up or you swing them around or you, you get in all remember, sorts of trouble with those pens. I remember finding out that you could take that little part and pop it off and I would take the pen and I have like seven of these pens on the little tiny things and I just swing them around like a ninja boom and, and most off. of them had like the little pin holder that you could slide it in just like the quill <laughs> yeah what am I in 17th century England it has been but a fortnight since we've last talked so the guy in line says hewing is hurt hewing is that, a, is that a New York thing, Lindsay? Hewing? Is he talking about Patrick Ewing? Patrick yeah. Ewing. That's what I always, yeah, I've never Hewing's heard hurt. someone use an age, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, hey, everybody's got a different way of speaking, so I figured I'd talk to someone in that region. <laughs> That's the whole reason we had you on the show today. Thanks a lot for being here. Hey, yeah, no problem. <laughs> Just the Hewing thing. <laughs> and let's, let's talk about another fashion choice. George Costanza is now wearing the cable knit big thick v-neck sweater that is straight from the country club it looks like at that time and place it's at westchester i think he must have came down from there after playing a few holes he wears that again in another episode too he's only worn it in two episodes and it is horrendous so look at that jar that he's carrying does that look like quarters to you in there it, it looks, looks like, like old pennies. I think, you know, when he tries to get the, the teller to change it in, she hands him the, like, orangish wrappers, and I'm almost positive those are penny wrappers. You know, a guy what? took a, his whole vacation off his change. Yeah, where'd he go in arcade? You want me to wrap 6,000 of these? <laughs> Wait, you want me to quit my job? <laughs> yeah, he's so rude to the teller. Lindsay had to step away for a prior engagement, so we had to record the end of this episode with her. So we're going to hear her come back on in a little while and talk to us about Elaine's first appearance and how sleazy Joel Hornick is. But we just wanted to let you know that we weren't keeping her on mute, and she's a valuable part of this show. This is a perfect example of what a jerk George can be. Like, who, t who talks to a person across... A line like he does like what do you want me to do about it blah, blah, blah. and he's talking to jerry like across this other guy in in a bank with like a bunch of people around like you'll find he does that a bunch in the series like he'll get up and just start yelling in the middle of monks and nobody seems to bat an eye about this is it new york i mean it, it's just costanza complex it's just it's him against the world it must be i mean I guess when you eventually meet his parents, you get why he's so neurotic, but 
I mean, wow. <laughs> That's definitely, I guess, some some Larry Davidism right there. Like it's more more angry than like Yeah, and it's no funny. filter, it's no like awareness, like social awareness. Yeah, it's a little it's a little off putting. That's my least favorite George is when he acts like that. I I I love George and he acts like an idiot, but that's okay. It's okay for him to act like a schmuck, but when right. he's a dick, I don't like that. <laughs> and and speaking of of dick moves, we find out that Jerry gave Hornick George's Nick ticket, which I think is just not only did you not break up with the guy, you totally like gave in and you gave him a Nick ticket. That shouldn't even been an option. No, that shouldn't have been on the table at all. Like why would he even so disappointed in Jerry? We're going to find that a lot in this show. (laughs) (laughs) He, he does things that are very disappointing, but yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Especially with someone that you don't care for. You don't like, you don't want to be around. You just are not into this dude at all. And then you're going to give him the ticket and go spend how many hours with this guy? And you can't get away. And like, it's a ticket that you already promised your your real friend. Yeah, true that. Yeah. How often do they go to games? Like, I didn't even, like, I don't see that very often at all. Yeah, and they, I mean, sports aren't really even mentioned that much outside. of Like, obviously, when, you know, the baseball storyline, when George starts working for the Yankees, or you have a couple, like, Mets things spliced in, which makes the the Yankees jacket in his apartment, even more like out of place. And then, you you know, the Keith Hernandez stuff and they go to that one giants game. Um, and you see like the cutaway of Lawrence Taylor once, but there's not really much mention of, of sports. And I think that's what, this will be a, probably a common theme throughout the show of why Seinfeld kind of doesn't age itself much because there's not, there's not a lot of technology shown there's not a lot of like current events or sports mentioned. So it, it kind of like stays relevant no matter when you're watching it. Yeah. No, Larry was big on not having like, like the whole hammer time thing with anybody mentioning like current events or anything that's popular at the moment, more like try to keep it evergreen. Well, the next stand up is about the bank. No, I do not like the bank. I've heard the expression laughing all the way to the bank. I have never seen anyone actually do it. (laughs) And those bank lines, I hate it when there's nobody on the line at all. You know that part, you go to the bank, it's empty, and you still have to go through the little maze. (laughs) Could you get a little piece of cheese for me? I'm almost at the front. I'd like a reward for this, please. And it's a really short bit. It's a little too short, if you ask me. I mean, like some of these bits are overlong, like we discussed in the first episode. You've got some that are just like minutes long and go nowhere. And like I could find way more relatable stuff about the bank than I could say the clothes and the laundry detergent. You know what I mean? Right. And, you know, is it an East Coast thing or just a New York thing? I always feel it like strange to me when people refer to being online versus in line yeah yeah i've never really i know like i say in line yeah yeah i don't know so it's, it's gotta like, be a new york thing you're an east coaster yeah i mean i grew up on the east coast so i grew up in florida and now i'm in massachusetts and there are some weird things you know regionally 
Yeah. So being online and that's got a, a, a connotation, obviously, when the Internet came on. But I, I think it's still on the line versus in the line. That's yeah, that's weird to me. I don't get that. But I, I always go through the little maze, even if there's nobody there. <laughs> we don't have like there's not a queue system like that at my bank. But you know where is like the most apparent is at the airport when you go through security and sometimes you'll get there and there's nobody waiting in security, but you still have to go through the entire maze of the the ropes in the queue system unless you just duck underneath all of them. Would they say something if you duck underneath of them? No, usually usually they just give you a wink like, I know it's ridiculous. Yeah, I haven't been to the, whew, it was right after 9-11 was the last time I was on a plane, so... That's a long time. You haven't been out of the building in 10 years. I have no reason to get on a plane. (laughs) Well, the next scene we got is back to Jerry's apartment. George. (laughs) Could you stop the counting? (laughs) What? Can I make it up to you? I'll give you 50 bucks for the jug. Oh, yeah, sure. Keep your money. Well, then I'm not going to go to the game either. Okay, I'll give them both tickets. Oh, gee, yeah, man. go, go. <laughs> I know, I don't want to go. He was really crying. I had to give him a tissue. In fact, let me call his machine now and I'll, I'll just make up some excuse why I can't go to the game either. Wait a minute, wait a minute. As long as you're gonna lie to the guy, why don't you tell him that you lost both of the tickets? Then we can go. George, the man wept. Oh, hey, guys. Man, I'm telling you, this pizza idea is really gonna happen. This is the thing where you go and you have to make your own pizza? Yeah, we give you the dough. You smash it, you pound it, you fling it up in the air, and then you get to put your sauce and you get to sprinkle your cheese, and then you slide it into the oven. You know, you have to know how to do that. You can't have people shoving their arms into a 600-degree oven. It's all supervised. Oh, well. Oh. You want to invest? My money's tied up in change right now. You know, look, I'm telling you, you know, people, they really want to make their own pizza pie. I, I have to say something. With, with all due respect, all right. I, I just never... I can't imagine anyone in any walk of life, under any circumstance, wanting to make their own pizza pie. But that's me. That's you. I'm just saying. Okay, okay. All right? I just wanted to check with you guys. You know, this business is going to be big. I just want to... Okay. One day, you'll beg me to make your own pie. You know, I really wish they followed up with Kramer saying, you know, when he says, one day, you'll beg me to make your own pie. I really wish they followed that up in the Poppy episode later where, Kramer, where Jerry's like, come on, Kramer, you said I could do it. He's like, no, 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 no. I remember you didn't want to do this. You didn't want to. I thought it would have been great if he was trying to, like, take his girlfriend to make it her own pie. And Elaine's like, I can't wait to get a guy and make my own pie. He's like, yeah, you actually said you liked it. Yes, I remember right. that. You <laughs> know, I got a yeah. good memory. Put it right here, right in my hopper. <laughs> you can't have people just shoving their arms into an oven. Have to know how to do that. It's all supervised. Oh well. Back back to that from earlier. Um, I I've worked in pizza restaurants. I don't want to make my own pizza. I am not interested. I don't want to pound out the dough. It's not fun. 
<laughs> when you've made 400 pizzas a night, it's not fun. <laughs> the last thing I want to do is put pepperoni on a pizza. <laughs> I think about this all the time because we usually on the weekends, we make our own pizza here at the house and I I'm in charge of doing the dough and stuff. And there's not a single time that goes by. And I was like, we give you the dough. And, and I got the, the, the <laughs> and every time I slide it into the oven, I'm always like, yeah, this is supervised. Yeah. That's different when you're making it at home. But yeah. I mean, as far as like, I would never want to do that in front of people. You know, no. that's the time you're going to screw it up, put a hole in the dough or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we do get another unseen character. I don't believe that he's real, but Jerry's nephew with the geometry. You know, trapezoid, rhombus. I don't think his nephew is real, but you never know. He's got a couple cousins. You know, he's got a couple uncles, Mac and Leo. Well, Jeffrey is Leo's kid. Maybe this is Mac's kid and he's got to teach him some rhombus stuff. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I would think that Jerry has to have some kind of sibling if he's mentioning a nephew to Joel Hornick. Either that or Joel has no idea he's that oblivious that Jerry doesn't have a sibling. Yeah, it's weird. You think Joel growing, they said they grew up together, right? He played ping pong at his house. But then, you know, we don't really have any mention except there's that one instance in the Chinese restaurant where Jerry mentions his sister. But that's yeah. kind of the only time we ever hear of it. So I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and you have the whole time like George rolling that change. He did give in, took the wrappers. He's got it on his thumb, just counting pennies. Like that is just desperation just it's unbelievable my thing is like in the next episode or i think either the next one or the next one whatever one the stock tip is from here he's i think the stock tip is number five so he's rolling change but he's got 10 grand to invest in a way to televise opera i mean yeah that's a little a little weird that he's got that money laying around i don't know maybe he maybe he rolled all his pennies and there was 10 grand in there yeah, maybe he he <laughs> skipped the the vacation of the arcade and just thought he'd sink it into a uh, robot butcher. I like the idea of the robot butcher. They got those online and watch them on Instagram all the time. You ever see that little thing chopping up the stuff and then it puts yep. it in the thing and it makes a really bad looking omelet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hi, Joel. This is Jerry. I hope you get this before you. Oh, hi, Joel. Oh, you just came in. Listen, uh, I can't make it to the game tonight. I uh, have to tutor my nephew. Uh, yeah, he's got an exam tomorrow. Geometry. You know, trapezoid, rhombus. Anyway, listen, you take the tickets. Uh, they're at the will call window. And uh, I'm really sorry. Have a good time. We'll talk next week, OK? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't, fine, fine. Trapezoid? I know, I'm really running out of excuses with this guy. I need some kind of excuse Rolodex. Yeah, anytime that I want to get out of something with somebody, I just have one and only excuse. My back hurts. Nobody That's seems good... to ever question that. Yeah, once you get to a certain age, you can just claim any ailment, and then it's just, it's assumed that, oh, yeah, that's that's legit. All I got to say is, oh, I'd love to help you, ma'am. Oh, okay, all right, thanks a lot. Yeah, take care of yourself. Yeah, feel better, feel better. And they hang up the phone, they curse your name. <laughs> that lying son of a bitch. <laughs> so this is the first scene where we meet Elaine Marie Venice. 
Come on, let's go do something. I don't want to just sit around here. Okay. Want to go get something to eat? Where do you want to go? I don't care. I'm not hungry. <laughs> you go to one of those uh, cappuccino places. They let you just sit there. What are we going to do there? Talk? <laughs> we can talk? I'll go if I don't have to talk. <laughs> we'll just sit there. Okay. I'm going to check my machine first. <laughs> someone up at airport, jury duty, waiting for cable. Okay, just hand that over, please. Oh, what is this? It's a list of excuses. It's for that guy Hornick who's at the game tonight with my tickets. I have that list now, so in case he calls, I just consult it, and I don't have to see him. <laughs> I need it. What are you doing? I got some for you. Oh, I don't need any more. No, no, no. Listen, listen, uh, you ran out of underwear, you can't leave the house. Very fun. <laughs> How about you've been diagnosed as a multiple personality? You're not even you. You're Dan. I'm Dan. Can I have my list back, please? Here, here. Jerry Seinfeld, I cannot believe you're doing. This is absolutely infantile. What can I do? Deal with it. Be a man. Oh, no. <laughs> no, that's impossible. I, I'd rather lie to him for the rest of my life than go through that again. He was crying. Tears accompanied by mucus. You made a man cry? I never made a man cry. I even kicked a guy in the groin once, and he didn't cry. I got the cat. <laughs> Couple of tough monkeys. <laughs> oh, hi, Elaine. Hey, hey, you missed a great game tonight, buddy. Game? Nick game? Hornick took me. We're sitting two rows behind the bench. We're getting hit by sweat. <laughs> Wait, how does Hornick know you? Well, last week when I, you know, gave you the phone. Hey, he's really into my pizza place idea. This is too much. Wait, what pizza place idea? Oh, no. <laughs> you get to make your own pie. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. It would be fun. Now, Lindsay, I'm going to hand it over to you. Tell us about this young lady. Well, let me just say she is the best. I didn't notice until watching it and taking notes that she doesn't enter the show until 17 minutes and 24 seconds. For some reason, I thought that scene was earlier, you know, when you're not like totally paying attention. But it just like is a testament to not knowing writing for women at that time. They just didn't know what to do with her, but they knew they had to bring in a woman. I think that was what a lot of the, the people were saying when they were asking. And so they brought in Elaine. They cast the most perfect person in the world to play Elaine Venice. She's a little sweeter in the early episodes, more innocent. She hasn't been torn down by all the men that she dates yet, you know? I noticed that she and Jerry are a little more flirty in this scene than they are obviously as they as the series progresses i kind of liked it because you have a hard time picturing them together ever and then of course you get the the deal a little later but you have a hard time picturing jerry and elaine together at all they were a little flirty here and i thought it was kind of cute i think that um, you'll see that in the stock tip episode where he's mm -hmm. like 
Robert. She's like, Robert, yes, yeah. thank you. And then Vanessa, yeah, yes, cute. thank you. Because in a stakeout. stakeout. Yeah. 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 Where he's like, oh, I never saw you form with anybody before. Like, yeah, yeah, she's a little jealous, you know. They're still newly broken up in that stage, I think. So Yeah. So you get a little glimpse into what they were like as a couple, which I think is kind of cute. So that, those are a few pieces. And then the, her just lines of like, what are we going to talk? It's just so relatable as sometimes you don't feel like not doing anything, but doing something also feels really involved. And so like, I could just, I just really related to what she was saying there about like, all right, I guess we'll, what are we going to talk? Yeah, I guess we'll go. Yeah. So (laughs) just, especially, you know, now that I'm married and like that type of relationship is more, you can just see that she and Jerry are close, even though they just broke up. That's one of my favorite Elaine quotes of all time. And it's from the first episode we meet her is, well, I'll go if I don't have to talk. I'll go if I don't have to talk. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I honestly, I I, I love her. I think she's super charming in this. Like she comes off as a very positive addition to the show and her delivery is spot on perfect Elaine. You know what I mean? Like it's, I think it's written very well. I don't know who Mm -hmm. wrote it. If it was Larry that wrote this episode, I probably should write, write down who the writers of these episodes are before we talk about them. But yeah, I think I think that it was written well, you know, for what little bit she did have to say. And to be honest with you, I don't even think it's the writing as much as her playing off the words. Because mm-hmm. the way that she says things and the way that she, <sighs> before she says something, or just, just her little mannerisms, like, really make her the... She's so charming. They say she on the she... a lot, she's cute. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not a bad She's thing. adorable. Yeah, yeah they exactly. do say that a their their love of Elaine on that podcast is delightful. Yeah. I love that it's not a stereotypical male view. It's just, you know, being appreciative of her. You they know. have a little crush on her for sure. <laughs> well, who doesn't? Who does Let's face it? Yeah, Let's exactly. face it. Kramer! Yeah! Perfect. <laughs> hey! Okay, uh, who wants meatloaf? <laughs> no, no. It's gonna be hot in a minute. So I uh Thought you were tutoring your nephew. Ah, oh, we finished early. Mm, I'll bet. <laughs> so are you going to uh, introduce me to your nephew? Elaine <laughs> uh, Bennis, this is Joel Hornick. Whoa, Nelson. <laughs> this is Elaine. I thought you guys split up. We're still friends. Mm. So, thanks again for those tickets. But next week, I'm going to take you. How about next Tuesday night? And why don't you come along? Oh, no, no. Tuesday's uh, no good because we've got a choir practice. Right? <laughs> Forgot about choir. Yeah. We're, we're doing that uh, evening of Eastern European national anthems. Right. You know, the wall being down oh. and everything. <laughs> but what about Thursday night? I mean, they're playing the Sonics. Hmm. Huh. Thursday is not good because we've got to get to the hospital to see if we qualify as those organ donors. You know, I should really try something like that. You really should. (laughs) Well, let's just take a look here. 41 home games. See, Saturday night, we got the Mavericks. You know, like the Mavericks next Tuesday, Lakers. I mean, you got to like magic, right? And let's see, on the road, on the road, on the road, on the road, back, back, on the 14th, they play the Bulls. You can't miss there, Jordan. Let's see. What do you think about the way that Hornick interacts with Elaine? I mean, he's obviously clueless. He's a narcissist. But the way he talks 
about Elaine to Jerry is also really gross because it's like as if she's not there and B, I thought you guys broke up. Like now I'm going to be able to jump in on this or something gross like that. Just, and poor Elaine just has to take it because that's what women have to do a lot of times with narcissists um, until they don't. So icky. (laughs) So icky. He gives her the hand sandwich. The hand sandwich makes its appearance. God, he's so gross. Yeah. And, and just he, Jerry he's looking her up and down too. Like he's yeah. it's oh man, it's too swarmy. He's swarmy. Yeah. And Jerry, and Jerry doesn't do anything. I don't know. This is it also confuses me, just like because if they are newly broken up, Jerry still has, you know, some love for her. Like the fact that he even lets Hornick talk like that makes me mad too. That yeah, couldn't he just give him like a chill? Knock it off. Yeah, something because he's You'd just giving so. him free reign. I think personally that he probably like and this. This is coming from like being the little guy my whole life. So like, you don't want to say anything to a guy who's a little bit bigger than you and stockier than you unless you know that you can grab one of those baseball bats behind you or something like that. You know? I mean, he just stopped crying a second ago. So like, strong men also cry. <laughs> Strong men also so cry. cry. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess I, I would have liked Jerry to stick up for Arlene a little bit more. Yeah, I don't think that anybody in this show sticks up for anybody at any point. Like, and, and that's like you'll go all the way back to oh hell, anything really. Like, you know, I mean, yeah. no yeah, one sticks up for anybody. It's dog eat dog on that show. Mm-hmm. Even from Cedric and Bob, Jerry and Kramer say, hey, what's going on? Are you talking to me? Like, <laughs> like they're not even going to help each other out. No, they just run away. You know what's great about this, though, that even after Hornick just being totally s- slimy and sleazy and he's talking about, you know, taking Jerry and Elaine, you got to come with us to a Knicks game. She goes right into excuse mode, just like yeah. Jerry did. And, and she's right on top of it, right? Like. The organ donor, the church choir, like she's she's in it now. I think the uh, the, the choir practice was a pretty good excuse, even though I don't see either yeah. of them singing. <laughs> choir practice, I love it. <laughs> in New York, those City. are such like no one would actually like, no one would actually believe any of those excuses, which is why it's so awesome because Hornick is so. It just is another example of why Hornick is so out of it that he he's he's so used to everybody telling him. Something I'd do anything to get out of time with that guy, though. So, well, when he says, um, I thought you were tutoring your nephew, we finished early. Oh, I bet you did. Oh my god, it's so disgusting! Like, yeah. I bet you did. <laughs> yeah. Elaine Bennett, whoa, Nelson, god, he's so gross. <laughs> but then I, I do love when he is going through like the whole schedule and he pulls out, he's like, well, yeah. 41 home games. And he's like, and then you got the Lakers. You got to love magic. And then he's like, they're away, they're away, they're away, they're away. They're back on the 14th. They got the Bulls. You can't miss Air Jordan. He's right about that, though. If if somebody offered me the chance to go see Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, all these people that he's naming, yeah. even was it, I could who played for the Mavericks. I don't even remember back then, but you know, like so, so many people, you could have saw all these people back in the day play basketball just because this guy was a hornball. Well, let's go see him, Elaine. Let's go see Magic. Let's go see Michael Jordan. Yeah, it's it's the first time they mentioned Jordan, yeah. One of the other things that I had here was that 
Kramer looks like a deeply disturbed individual when he wears a baseball cap. Yeah, and do we ever see Kramer wearing a baseball cap in the rest of the show? Like, it's very, like, he looks like a stalker. The only other time that I think you see him in anything similar is in the nap, I think, when he meets Langerhands, Kitzmiller, and he's got that thing on his head. Yeah, that's That's true. that episode, right, where he's swimming. Yeah, that's his, like, part of the bathing suit. Yeah, it's like a bathing cap type thing, but that's, like, the closest yeah. thing to a baseball cap that I think you see him in. Yeah, and then he wears, like, a fedora a couple times, and... Then he wears the pimp hat. One. That was a woman's hat, too. Yeah. <laughs> the old lady's like, what my oh, yeah, blue off <laughs> And then, of all things, like, they're getting back from a, a basketball game. God knows it's probably 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Kramer's in the fridge getting ketchup for meatloaf. Anybody wants a meatloaf? It's going to be hot in a second. <laughs> Well, Lindsay, we really appreciate you uh, hanging out with us and conversing yeah. with us today. We'll have to have you back on in some future episodes when we know that things are going bad for our heroine. Yeah. Hey, anytime I have an opinion, I'll let you know. So you just tell me when I'm happy to be a part of Elaine's first episode. So thanks. Well, we're happy to have you. Appreciate yeah, it, Lindsay. And it was good meeting you. Yeah, good to meet you guys. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Talk to you later. See ya. But is there anything else that you can think of in that last scene? Jerry talking about making Joel cry. And Elaine's like, I never even made a man cry. I kicked a man in the groin once and he didn't even cry. And then Jerry's just like, couple of tough monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> he says that some other time too. Oh, the the bookman. It's one tough monkey. Yeah. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't even, that's what makes me giggle so much. Just a tough monkey. No, I wrote down that Elaine's wearing a mustard yellow blazer for some reason. Her jewelry choices are very strange in this episode. I wonder if it was her choices of the wardrobe department. She has a lot of weird dangly bracelets, a watch, like four necklaces, and these dangly pearl-colored earrings. Maybe it's just to prove that it's the 90s. Yeah, because it's the blazer like rolled up Ooh. on her sleeves too. Yeah, it's like stop making sense or something like that. Talking heads. <laughs> She's eating peanut M&Ms. The last stand-up of the episode is friends that you hated. You know, I really, I've come to the conclusion that there are certain friends in your life that they're just always your friends and you have to accept it. You see them, you don't really want to see them. You don't call them, they call you. You don't call back, they call again. <laughs> the only way to get through talking with people that you don't really have anything in common with is to pretend that you're hosting your own little talk show. This is what I do. You pretend there's a little desk around you, there's a little chair over there, and you interview them. The only problem with this is there's no way to say, hey, it's been great having you on the show. We're out of time. <laughs> I think that it's really nice, at least by the second episode, that the theme music and the comedy has gotten way better. You know, everything is in sync with each other. It feels like it's where it should be. Yeah, and, and to your point, outside of the, the bit about the bank being really short, I feel like it's a lot more manageable in this episode instead of, you know, we talked in the, the last episode how long the stand-up bits were, and it was, you know, just to fill out time. But this seems a lot better. Yeah, and I'm going to be putting all the stand-up bits from every episode into the show. So they're going to be a little bit long in some spots and a little bit short in other spots. But honestly, 
If we're going to listen to anything, we might as well listen to some stand-up from Jerry. Overall, I think this episode is a huge improvement from the last one, you know? Agreed. I think it's, you know, we have the the fortunate hindsight of, you know, watching the entire series and then knowing what we like and what we're comfortable with. And this one, you know, even though the, the first season or whatever you want to call the first two seasons seem a little slow and really haven't found their footing yet, this feels comfortable this feels more like home yeah I, I agree i i've listened to this episode a bunch in research of it and obviously all the research i've been doing on all the episodes the more i've listened to the first season because i listen to it more than i get to watch it and the more i listen to it the more i like it you know which is not the case that i had before i started doing this you know i i, I you're not going to catch me putting on the first or second seasons on dvd you're not going to you're not going to find me doing that. But I've I've listened to the ex-girlfriend and the pony remarks so many times in the last like month or two that those episodes are amazing when you really get down to it. So we're going to find that it's a lot better than we think it is even in these early episodes real soon. I agree. Well, Adam, it's always a pleasure talking to you about Seinfeld, buddy. What'd you think? Good time with Lindsay on here. I'll probably have her back sooner than later, I would think. Absolutely. I think she's a great addition to the show. So happy to have her on board. And it's a shame she had to go so soon this morning. I know she had a meeting to get to. But you as know. long as as long as we don't catch her eating onions, then we're OK. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll have to get make sure she's stocked with apples instead. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm John and I'm Adam. And here's to feeling good all the time. Ruining Seinfeld is not endorsed by Castle Rock Entertainment, Sony Pictures, or NBC. It is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. All names, music, logos, and pretty much everything else belong to the aforementioned companies. If you think you can help us ruin Seinfeld, call us at 5-Seinfeld-6. Be sure to give us the episode title and a brief description. Follow us on social media at Ruining Seinfeld. And if you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your platform of choice. Or not. The ball is in your court. Thanks for listening. Double goodbye. Pure Guano.